Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Then I can actually claim somebody that doesn't believe, and there's no way for them to get out of it. And now, just in case you're going to say, oh, don't tell me this is a name it, claim it message. God's saying the same thing to us. I'm going to do exactly what you've been saying. Not everything that comes at us is God's will. We have confusion. One of our biggest areas of confusion in the church is concerning the sovereignty of God. We know that God is all-powerful. We know that, that He is in charge of everything. But with that, we make a mistake in thinking He is in control of everything. Hey guys, welcome back to the roundtable. This is episode number six. I am going to be your host for the evening as we dive into some uh, great questions from all of you faithful listeners. And uh, on the roundtable, we are uh, me, Alex, and then we got Nick and Paul, right? Are you guys out there? Yes. Oh, thanks. Oh, there you go. So... Gentlemen, how have you been? It's been uh, a few minutes since we last talked. This is probably the yeah. closest we've recorded two roundtables. Yeah. <laughs> we did one like four days ago, didn't we? It was last week, wasn't it? Last week. Yeah, maybe. Jeez. Yeah, I think so. Time's going by quick. Yeah. And yeah, normally we yeah, record once a month. Kind of. We love you guys so yeah, much. We do it like every every week. We we got a lot of really good feedback to, on the to last bring one. In, to bring in the, the infidels. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, Terminology like that is going to get us killed. Yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Witch hunt. Witch hunt for the round table has begun. <laughs> so is that like hunt for... No, we're, not, we're not that well known yet. That's uh, not going to happen. It sounds like it should start a Sean Connery hunt for Red October kind of thing. Man, Sean Connery was legit back in the day. Yeah. 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 We need actors like him again. It's just not a good pool anymore. Yeah. It's sad. That's true. So, Nick, what's new with you, man? Anything? 
nothing's really going on, you know, just just trucking along, doing the things. Um, I'm going to squeeze. Uh, I have two more episodes in the theology series, ecclesiology and eschatology, and I plan on squeezing eschatology into one episode. So pr- pray for me. Yeah. Hey, didn't you build a house last week or something? Gosh. Like literally from scratch? You know, we got, um, no, uh, we got a, an additional room put up. In fact, we should have it sheetrocked sometime in the next couple of weeks. So it's almost done. Almost. Nice. And we're not doing the sheetrocking because that's not worth doing it yourself. <laughs> so Alex, Alex can build computers. Nick can build houses and I can build cars. So yeah. So the trifecta here. We're going to build a city. We are going to build a city, and we're going to make a. It's all going to be one giant church. And dime cult. And then once, <laughs> and then once a week, a house will fall down. <laughs> and then cars will make every single day. <laughs> My the, PCs will never fail, though. But, I'll I was about to say, but that. the computers will be fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just buy MacBooks. MacBooks for everyone. <laughs> it's like an Oprah. TV show. Everybody gets a MacBook. You get a MacBook. Yes. I'm sorry. She's uh, she's a heretic. Yeah. <clears throat> I got to say, uh, in the intro, the Joyce Meyer quote it makes me laugh almost every time I, I hear it. I was, I was honestly thinking about opening and saying something like that, but I'm like, ooh, I should probably not. Should we repeat that? What was it? I forgot what Joyce Meyer said. She says, now, this is a lot of stuff. <laughs> She she says, now don't tell me this is another one of those name it claim it episodes. <laughs> or uh, and I think she does go on and actually make it a name it claim it. One. Oh, that's exactly. What I think it I've was. heard that sermon before. Yeah, it was the power of our words or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the all those clips are from uh, the funniest funniest one I I saw in the title. It was called uh, "Stay in Your Lane." Like I, I thought, wow, it's now Joyce Meyer, a driving instructor or something like that. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Um, you also the the Jen Johnson thing, right? Jen Johnson, maybe. So Jen Johnson. What happened with her now? Uh, so apparently, I thought she was his actual daughter, but apparently it's the daughter-in-law of Bill Johnson. Oh. And mm. that, that's what someone told me. I haven't verified. But uh, she said, watch out for teachers who are even one degree off in the theology. Explorers and challengers who question the Bible or don't love the church are dangerous. Being one degree off may not seem like a big deal, but it is. Imagine flying a plane being one degree off in your coordinates. The difference could be you landing in Alaska or Australia. In the Bible, Paul talks about this very thing. And then she quotes 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5 from the message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if she would only know if she would only know that Bill Johnson is flying 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Well, and I was thinking about that too, because in one of Johnson's book, he says in relation to the Bible, it's like sometimes we need to go off the map. He literally says this. They're they're in opposition to each other whenever I think about this quote and that. And so my hope is that she's actually starting to get, you know, the truth. Uh, but, that would be amazing. But even then, that that's standard. Even one degree off in their theology. So don't listen to anyone, basically. Uh, that's a pretty high yeah, standard. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty harsh stance to take because, I mean— there's stuff that the three of us disagree on. So do we not listen to each other? <laughs> I guess I, not. I guess we're doomed. That that just kind of goes back into the, the solo scriptura type situation yeah. where it's me and everyone else is wrong. And if you disagree, then, well, you're wrong. Actually, I was looking at someone's yep. 
someone's work today and he said something similar. He said, um, they were like, well, what pastors would you recommend? Cause he was like, this one's a false teacher. And he's like, well, uh, it doesn't really matter. They're all kind of false. I don't really listen to any teachers. I was like, Oh, uh, there it is. Yeah. Isolated by doing that and form a cult. You know, there's this guy in, in YouTube called the service. He's pretty famous. Uh, yeah, he goes yeah. after anyone who has like even the slightest amount of relation with uh, a false teacher. Like there was a yeah. conference of the uh, radio broadcasting. I think it was in July or June. And Rick Warren was there and also John MacArthur. And this guy's like, oh, John MacArthur's partnering with Rick Warren. So he, he shouldn't be listened to anymore. Yeah. I mean, no, dude. He, just, he uh, took on Paul Washer too. Broadcast. Well, yeah, because. Yeah, he takes on everyone. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who has some kind yep. of association with a heretic, then you must be a heretic, a heretic too. Uh-huh. Heretic. That's the logic he takes, and he doesn't even go to a congregation. There's everyone uh, there is associated in some way or another to a heretic, right? Which which really leaves you subject too, unless you're living in a bubble. Yeah, because I can name a few friends off the top of my head who enjoys teachings of people who aren't really that great. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. So, gentlemen. Now I listen to Joel Osteen once in a while. No, I don't. (laughs) I've had to just so I can refresh why I'm reformed. (laughs) I have listened to whole Stephen Furtick sermons, but only to, like, notice how bad he is. Yeah, I've done that, too. Because you get those people that... uh, well, that that's taking out of context, and then you listen to the whole sermon, and you're like, "Nope, no, it wasn't." I'm, he, that's why I do it. He wanted to say that. I'm very it's painful, though. It's like it's like eating puke. Yeah, I'm very picky with um, the way people speak, and Stephen Furtick is one of those people. I just can't I can't listen to him very long. I don't, his his speech no, his speech pattern kind of drives me crazy. It's exhausting. You know. uh, Joel Osteen has this kind of like wave thing, you know. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, he, he's he's actually got a pleasant speaking pattern, but yeah, he always sounds very really chipper too. Yeah. Well, when you make forty million dollars a year, I'd be chipper too. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, guys? He doesn't take any money from his church, so it's okay. It's okay. Does he not? Right. Just, no, just he like doesn't stop taking a salary. Accordingly, he stopped taking a salary. But he makes all of his yeah, money just, from his book sales. Just and, last year, probably. Well, so you know what I bet you? I think it was 15 years ago. But see, the loophole he creates is that it's just from his church in, in Houston, right? Is it, He's in Houston. Um, mm-hmm. It's not from any of his speaking engagements where he travels around and then charges $75 a ticket. Yeah. Right. So that, that's what you go. that's what you don't know about these people like like Todd White. He charges yeah. for every speaking event he does. Mm-hmm. Yep. That that's just the reality. But they keep that very quiet. <laughs> I'm gonna know. learn to extend legs, guys. I mean, he makes some money. Well, and then we can get into the people who make money off of other ways, such as media with yeah. television programs or with music. Uh, Hillsong yeah. gets eighty percent of their income from their music. And that's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? I mean, you know, Mark MacArthur and Sproul, they weren't poor men by any means. But I feel like you got to look at the contributions that these two gentlemen make for the gospel versus what Furtick and Olstein and yeah, Bethel. They, they, 
they don't have ten million dollar condos either. No. Didn't doesn't uh, MacArthur live like in the same house he bought back in like the seventies? If that remember that. I think correctly. he has a pretty nice house, but it's not it's not a ten million dollar condo or a I don't know ten room manor like um, Ferdix. Hmm. What do you, what, I mean, what do you do with that much space anyway? I don't know, man. Like I have this that little was, corner in my house, that, and I'm happy with that. It. Must be exhausting, to, like to clean. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't clean it. They have someone who does it. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. It's like a whole team of cleaners, man. You can't just have one person. You gotta hire a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably have electric scooters to move around the house. They all have those. Um, oh, what are they called? Segways. They roll around on those things. Yeah. And the little elevators that go up the stairs. Escalators. The little, yeah, you know, they just have escalators instead of stairs. <laughs> That'd be a trip, man. That would be. Yeah. I don't I don't know what I would do with that much space. Yeah. I, I'm good I, with I I'm good with living that. in the shack. I like my, my little place I got right now, yeah. even though it's temporary. I'm I'm good with living in the shack as long as Alex doesn't burn it down. I burned that shack, man. You missed out. Yeah. No, I didn't miss out. I listened to it. It was good. Well, I hope you listened to it. Yeah, it was good. There's a plug for Undying Light. Go listen to Burning Down the Shack. Yeah, go. And then give me feedback because I need to learn more. <laughs> I need to do more. I'm, I'm terrible. Need to learn, learn I need, more I need words. Yeah, I need words to learn to English better. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> so we got a plethora of questions. See, look, I got a big word for you. We have a big amount of questions. Um, so we let's start off. I like this one since we're talking about um, Furtick and, and Olstein and all that. So this one comes in. It says, what's the difference? It's a long question. So I'm going to try to put his thoughts together uh, or her thoughts. I'm sorry. What's the difference between Francis Chain partnering with false teachers and Jackie Hill Perry partnering with false teachers. Why does Francis Chain get called out, but not Jackie? Is there a difference between Francis' situation and the Jackie Hill Perry situation? On one of her stories, she's saying that Jen Johnson from Bethel is filled with the Holy Spirit. Take your crack. That was well put together, by the way, by by our host. Yeah, (laughs) it was awful. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know much about Jackie Hill Perry. I know that uh, she's kind of more like an inclusivistic, but on the denomination thingy, not not as in every single re- religion. Uh, I once read a tweet by her that said, I have learned like this from the charismatics to be more emotional. Um, doctrine from Baptists, uh, history from, pre- from Presbyterians, stuff like that. Um I don't know her of associating with false teachers because I simply don't follow her. But if she said that about Jen Johnson, she should be called out. Just like Francis Chan gets called out for hanging out with Benny Hinn and, and, the, and, and the gang. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I don't really know much about her. I thought, wasn't she in American Gospel? She was. Yeah, she is. But American Gospel called out Bethel. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? I don't know. It is. Um, I... Yeah. I have a thought, and it's probably um, it's probably gonna. Be, I, I want to be careful with it because, again, I don't follow her as you two don't. I have seen instances of her kind of throwing support into more of the social justice segment, hmm. um, 
I've seen some of her stances and positions, you know, as this person points out that, you know, she's kind of applauding Jen Johnson here, um, saying that she's filled with the Holy Spirit. So I can see how that's, there is that compassion towards these bigger mainstreams. I have a personal opinion. I think that she may have used her platform in American gospel to kind of put her name out there. And, but I, I, am not going to, I don't know her theology because I feel like it's kind of all over the board right now. You know, she could just be trying to find her place and then we can really see, you know, where she's going to end up going. Um, But we've seen Francis chain for a long time in the spotlight and I thought he was really sound years ago and now he's wavered um, off that path. So I think there is a difference between how we handle the two situations. We've got one person who's in the limelight for a long time, and now we have a new person who's kind of emerged. And I think the dust needs to really settle before we can start to make stances. What do you guys think? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yep. He he could be held to a higher uh, scrutiny given his role as a pastor. I don't know what she does, but that could be another thing. Because yes. isn't she a musician? She is. So maybe that's the, the 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 difference with musicians. We don't really expect a high standard of the, theology anyway, to be to be honest. Um, yeah. And so that could be the the dividing line there in terms of how much attention, because Francis Chan obviously had a bigger influence in terms of having a congregation, having a flock, and uh, people looking up to him and books sold on various theological topics. He had more of a sphere of influence, I think. Uh, could be the argument. I'm not entirely sure because I don't really know her, but that may be a, a, a track, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Oh, hardly. All right, gentlemen, do you think the Reformed Church is lacking in works? What does that mean? Um, do you think that we as Reformers are charity? Not, yeah, charity or just putting forth the spread of the gospel? whether it's uh, evangelism or whatever, uh, you probably use works in just about any category. That's such a broad mean, question. I'm, I'm, I'm not a member of every single Reformed church in, in the world, so I'm not in a position to answer that. Yeah. I mean, shocker, uh, surprise, I'm not actually a member of a Reformed church per se <laughs> at all. Yeah, so me neither. I don't really have a, uh, a place to say. That's a really broad question. Too broad. It is a little bit, unfortunately. It's a wide brush. If, if, if he's listening, next time Specify. We, we throw it out, um, let's see if we can get a little bit more detailed. I mean, if you if you would take it in the sense that, um, like modern Calvinists and the new Calvinist movement and all that, um, many people are caged in it, so they don't produce a lot of good fruit. Instead, they just go around hurting people with a Bible in the head. So, yeah, in that sense, I would say it is lacking in works, but it's still too much of a broad statement. Um, would you consider going to seminary? <laughs> true? Uh, is this a true or false question? Uh, maybe. I'm just it's just a question mark. Yes. I think <laughs> it depends. I don't understand. Paul? <laughs> what do you got, Paul? Depends on what? Would you well, consider think, going to seminary? Well, uh, I think like it depends me on me personally. You, well, I just all, I think all of us. I mean, yeah, I will go. That's well, that's I, my plan if God yeah. wills. 
if you're talking about for yourself, that yeah, that's something you need to figure out. I think I think yeah. you, you can get useless Christian degrees, honest. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really consider myself a seminary student. I think seminary. I, I think of very narrow terms of seminary. I think of you're going into pastorship or you know working in a congregation. I'm going more for yeah. academics. So. Yeah. So I guess no would be my answer because I'm not technically going to seminary, but yes, because why not? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, people would still consider you a seminary student if you're studying for academics and theology. I don't know. It's 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 like the 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 last question. It's it's broad. It's like if you're doing an, an MA on on New Testament or any sort of postgraduate studies, it's kind of like considered seminary and, and the modern lingo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, if you do anything Bible, you're a yeah. seminary yeah. student, seminary. right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, well, I'm in seminary, so yes, you'd go. I would go to seminary. <laughs> I, just bl- I just blabbered on for that one. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Well, I think it's good because if you, if you have... Look, it doesn't matter whether you... Um, want to be a pastor or not directed towards men if you want to further your studies and just understanding biblical knowledge to everybody you don't have to go to a seminary and spend money there are good free courses on there out there to deepen your understanding i think seminary should only be if you want to progress to some sort of role in the ministry or to an academic type role i think that those are the only good uses for it yeah i so a degree would be out of pure necessity Otherwise, yeah. it's not really because you can learn with the internet and with like biblicaltraining.org and books, like all the books yes. you can order. You can order all yeah, of your seminary books. No online. one's going to give you anything. Right. Like, n- no position on that. Right. Yeah. So if you're trying to get a job, basically, then you'll have to get a degree, which is actually kind of a sad yeah. reality, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. True. There is. And also, seminary is not only for pastoral ministry. A lot of people who go into academics actually go into seminary, but it depends on the seminary on a, and on the on the course track that you decide to go through. Yes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I I would go to seminary. I want to dedicate my life to uh, teaching and studying the scriptures. Well, and I told uh, I told my wife just the other day that you know, if uh, if I can't get a job in my specific field, then being a pastor is what I'll end up doing. So, who oh, so what Alex and I desire was not too off. Was it Alex? What? No, no, I don't think so. To get, to, to get Nick into a church and just leave it all to him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only, the only major, uh, universities we have around here are Catholic. We have like one non-denominational Protestant seminary, quote unquote, but the rest are all Catholics. And so if I wanted to teach, I wanted them well, Storm that would be it. that'd be interesting to say the least. Storm it, <laughs> yeah. Nail it to Bring the wall, the man. Down. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see how things go. We have quite a few. <laughs> we have a while. Can I pick a question? Yeah. Go uh, for it. This is this is directed for Nick, for for Nick. Absolutely. Oh. Why Matthew eighteen eleven doesn't exist in some manuscripts? So whenever I was reading that, I was like, well. The question of why is, is just an interesting way to phrase it. Um, the The reason why is difficult. People can uh, guess that 
the scribes for that text saw it being kind of clunky between verses 10 and 12. And so you see most, most uh, commentaries that I read on it see it as a, um, a harmonization. Basically, they saw a gap that needed filling, and they harmonized Matthew 18 with Luke 19.10. And what you don't know is that there's actually two variants here. Um, there's the variant that's in the King James. It's in the TR, or the Texas Receptus, and it's uh, for the Son of Man came to save the lost. But there's also a second variant, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So there's two different versions of it. Uh, the reality is that our oldest manuscripts, Sinaiticus from the 4th century, Vaticanus from the 4th century, or uh, the original reading of uh, Codex Regis from the 8th century, and so on and so forth, don't contain it. While older manuscripts, or later manuscripts, however way you want to phrase that, do contain at least the first variant, while even older uh, manuscripts have... Um, the extended variant. Of course, saying older might be confusing. Uh, the later, we'll use the word later. But what was interesting, right. whenever I sent y'all a picture of Codex Regis because it's from the 8th century yeah. and it actually has all three readings. It has the original reading without the verse, then it has a correction with the shorter version, and then it has in the margin the longer version. So that's just an interesting thing. And that was in the 9th century or the 8th century. Well, mind blown. But... I'm still I'm still trying to digest all that. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm, I'm thank gonna have God to we have Nick this, for that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to this episode three or four times now. <laughs> if there's anything I can like kind of clarify, but but asking the reason why, the best thing you can do is kind of see what happened and and take a guess. But it seems like there was a a gap, and so they just a lot of times you have harmonization, and the the King James has a lot of those harmonizations. So that's why you'll see something in a gospel in the King James that isn't in another gospel. And it's just because they pulled from other gospels, either by memory or by filling gaps. And it was just gospel harmonization. And it was very common for scribes to do it by mistake or sometimes intentionally, but usually out of pious reasons like, oh, this should be here, I think, because I remember it from uh, from the text, but they're really thinking of a different gospel. I don't know if that made sense. So th there's all these different reasons of why it could have been. But the reality is that the older manuscripts just don't have it. Beautifully said. Gracias. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> this is probably for Paul since he's closer, but it was in my DM. Would you ever visit Antarctica? <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I mean, it's cold enough. I'd be down for it. I mean, why not? Um, I'd just go see some penguins. And come back. Well, supposedly. Uh, I, I, I also would like to see the edge of the flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to trigger King James and flat earth. Flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> we're just batting a thousand already. Oh, man. Uh, Digging the hole. That's funny, man. Actually, I have a great... Uh, Great converse, uh, question, and I think this could really be um, great conversation for the three of us because we've all been there. I know I have. Uh, after reading the description of a cage stage Calvinist, I think I am one. What is some advice? Stay in the cage. Stay in the cage. <laughs> Put a lock on it. Yeah. Build a physical cage and sit in it until sit you're ready to come out. <laughs> Yeah, that's the do best you, thing you can do. You, just read, uh, I don't know, man, uh, Romans 7. 
an eight. Yeah, that's good. I like to think mine is more practical. Just saying. <laughs> uh, just just sit in it. Yeah, and calm down. You can find pretty big kennels if you need one. Yeah, you just stand in some of them. Man, I, I think it's just a phase you have to work through. You just really need to understand. Yeah, it, it's not a necessary phase, though. If, if you really understood the doctrines of grace from the start, there would not not be such a thing as a cage stage. That's true. In fact, I think it's a. I think it's okay to have zeal for the scripture and you know to be like fired up to for right doctrine. But yeah, I agree. There's no. I mean, if yeah, there. So you, you can have a right seal and loving seal, or you can just go around beating people with the doctrines of grace with Romans 9 and Ephesians 1 and John 6 in the head all the time. Yeah. I, I think one thing that helped me like really zero in on it was reading Humble Calvinism. It was a really good book, and no, it, really, that. it really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, another book to probably read through the Bible, Ecclesiastics read that and really just see that everything is vanity and it's not worth your time to argue with most people. So, yeah. And also ask yourself, why are you being as a particular yeah. way? Cause everyone has different motivations for it. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's like, Oh, well, you know, I saw the truth and I thought that everyone was lying to me all these years. So I decided I'm going to go speak all the truth. And then there's other people who actually get kind of puffed up in the reality that they mm -hmm. know these things. And that's yeah. obviously contrary to what it should be mm -hmm. so some introspection might help yeah yeah all right gentlemen how would you respond to someone using some scripture to define free will and the scripture given is leviticus 22 verses 18 21 and 23 and numbers chapter 15 3 and wait second, wait wait, wait, wait. One, one by one, please. Yeah. Leviticus 22. Levit 22? Yep, starting in the 18th verse. Okay. And so then... What's... No. I mean, come on. Are you are you saying that it's about the free will offerings? Well, I, the question is, is people use it as an argument for free will because of the stance of free will offering. The, the better well, one of the, the verses given is in 2 Corinthians. If that were the case, if the free will offerings were just an argument for libertarian free will, then libertarian free will is all over the scriptures, and that's not true. Mm. Free will offering was simply an offering the one that that uh, a, a grateful person brought without a previous demand on the person. Yeah, what was nothing to do with uh, libertarian Come. free will. Yeah, there's no salvational free will in that. You said numbers fifteen. Verse uh, Numbers chapter 15, verse 18, 3. 18. Oh, I thought the the Leviticus one. Leviticus no. was 18, verse 18. Yeah, it's just a free will offering argument. Yeah. That, that's not section. really an argument at all. That's no. that's just translated as free will yeah. offering. Yeah, that's kind well, of... If, I never if heard you're going to use that in your stance, you're really manipulating the gospel. I mean, yeah. you're just taking scripture right out of context and twisting it. Yeah, because if if you would use that, that means that you have to go to Israel to offer your free will offering uh, in the temple. Yeah. No, I can't really do that. I've never heard uh, that before. That's new. Yeah, I've never heard it used either. I've heard other verses used, but not those. It's interesting. How would you define hyper Calvinism? 
What what about the Second Corinthians eight three one? Because that that's New Testament. Uh, numbers is probably the same. Yeah, numbers probably is the same one, right? Yeah, numbers is free uh, offering. Yeah, and Second uh, Corinthians is an encouragement to give generously. So it's a, another no, it's form thing. of oh yeah. yeah. Well, Second so Corinthians, the, the the Apostle Paul was gathering uh, offerings for the church in Jerusalem from all the churches in, in Asia Minor, basically, and uh, the church of Corinth were included in that, so they had to give freely and uh, generously. So not without uh, salvific free will either. I think right. you nailed it. Yep. Define hyper-Calvinism. Uh, determinism. Fatalism, maybe. Ooh. A Calvinist with superpowers. Heresy. Do they fly? Do they fly? (laughs) I don't know. They probably have an Iron Man suit. Uh, I I think the biggest one is that uh, it's not Calvinism. That's a good one. Yeah. That that distinction is often blurred, and it needs to needs to keep separate. But uh, for there's anyone... an intro to the dividing line that has Willem Link Craig saying that there's no difference between Calvinism and hyper Calvinism. Yeah, you know, uh, and there was another debate. I can't remember where it was with with White, and he was like, I, "I have yet to actually meet someone who is a full blown hyper Calvinist, because hyper Calvinism implies that you don't need to evangelize because what's going to happen happens." And right. Uh, there, there's a couple other things that just kind of slipped my mind, but it, it has very, I don't know, very strong views on certain things, I guess. It's heresy. It openly disobeys the command to evangelize, and it's just, it leads to laziness. It doesn't lead to sanctification at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different gospel that you believe in, in my opinion. Because then you wouldn't have people that slave tirelessly to move the message out into the world. You don't have people who, you know, spend hours studying and working and walking alongside other people, giving of their times and their efforts. And, you know, you just have selfish, prideful people with hyper-Calvinism. So definitely not real Calvinism. And Nick, I, I agree. You have to write that distinctive line there. Yeah. All right. Um looking at some of these questions pick a, here pick a good one what is your favorite color nah, i don't know if that's even in here um there's a similar does, one though there yeah, is what, what color is the sky in your area in your yeah, world in your world well in your world uh, i live in mars so i care all the red. time <laughs> according to my truth it is navy blue uh, I'm in a dungeon right now, so it's white because the walls are white. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is magenta. Magenta. That's a color, right? Yeah, it is. Magenta. Oh, boy. Here's a good one. I like this question. Let me go to that verse and pull it up. Okay, full gospel of Christ plus... Miracles versus Christ alone taken from Acts 238. I, I got a clarification message on that one. Let me see if I can find it. Awesome. So cool. Uh, That's a big, big movement in South Korea, by the way. They have a lot of churches that are called gospel churches that uh, supposedly with a... It's kind of like Bethel. 
Like, yeah. if gospel is not accompanied by signs and wonders, it's not really the gospel. Who asked the question again? What was the name? Uh, Mr. C. Aaron. I don't know. I can't find it. Mm. Well, but, but the question is about bad gospel versus Christ alone. So yeah. I would say it is false gospel because even Benny Hinn espouses that nonsense. That if you don't have um, miraculous powers to accompany the preaching of the gospel, you're not preaching the gospel and it's powerless to raise anyone to spiritual life. And that's just not true. Okay, so I found it. Cool. Uh, he said, long story behind my question, but I've lost friends who loved God with all their heart. They love the Bible and they love others unselfishly. But as I got closer to them and discussed theology with them, they told me to avoid reformed teachers because they lead people astray by not teaching the complete gospel. I told them that it is Christ <laughs> alone and they cut me off. I think we focus on prosperity teaching, which is sick. But I feel like this false gospel that refocuses on man is just as dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically what Paul just addressed it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I yeah, think it's just as simple as take take an apron. If you if you claim to have the gift of healing, take your apron to the nearest hospital. And if you don't clear it out, you're false. Plain and simple. I think that you should be prosecuted. You should be. You know, I had this um, debate. Somebody DM'd me the other day about works and healing and the gifts and that, and they asked why I, I didn't believe they still uh, were around because I'm a cessionist or cessionist, I guess. I don't know how you really say it because I'm bad with English. Cessationist because I'm bad with English, as we established early on in this podcast. Um, I told him simply there's no evidence. There's no biblical evidence for the works today for these gifts. And, and and the three gifts that seem to always come up are prophecy, tongues, and healing. You know, nobody's learning how to speak, you know, a dead language or a, a, a terribly hard language that takes years of study to perfect. Nobody's learning that instantly. Yeah. Nobody's going into hospitals and clearing out children's cancer wards. And certainly nobody's speaking prophecy that is actually coming true. I um in my episode Just on saying. on the gifts, I pointed out that uh Pentecostals and Charismatics are the least represented group in Bible translation, which makes no sense if they all speak in tongues. Interesting. You think that that, that that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Because why not? You know, if you have that gift. And then that, of course that goes into the whole Yeah, you could even command and decree the pencil to, to write a new translation. Oh, gosh. Well, and then wow. that goes into the whole issue of, like, the how tongues are used. They're used very selfishly, and it's yep. and it's not... If gifts are for the edification of the body, then why is this one gift the yeah. exception? It makes no sense. They always claim for Corinthians 14.2, or 3. I, I think it's 14.2. Which is so uh, ironic. He who speaks the whole... in a tongue edifies himself... Uh, no, it's he who speaks in the tongue, uh, speaks not to men but to God. Right. That's oh, it, it, if you do it, you're just doing it for yourself to edify yourself. That, that defeats the whole purpose of the gifts. Yeah, it's a misunderstanding of the gifts for sure. I got a long question. Okay. Ish. Um, as Protestants, we don't believe in theosis. I'm not really sure what that is. Um, 
if y'all do, then fill theosis. me in. Theosis. Uh, I think theosis is the Mormon doctrine that it's like deification. Oh. I think so. Yeah, uh, deification. Yeah, that can. Okay. Anyway, um, however, we don't address glorification very much in Protestantism, and what it will look like. What will we be made into? What will be the importance of pondering? What is the importance of pondering this future, and what will it look like to reign with Christ? Clarify, theosis is, uh, uh, what's it called? I forgot. Man, my mind is blurred. You're talking about deification? deification. Yeah. That is, it's the same thing. Yeah, deific- deification could be, uh, could be, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, interpreted different ways, too. Like, uh, yeah. I, bl- I believe in Eastern Orthodoxy, it's just another word for sanctification. Yep, it is. I'm not sure how Mormons see it's, it. It's it's all used in in patristic sources uh, to refer to glorification and sanctification. And Mormons just anachronistically look at that and say that, oh, look, the the early church were Mormons. Oh, okay. Roman Catholics do with pretty much everything. Yeah, but it is true that we don't focus very much on glorification. I, I would actually say that we don't focus very much on restoration either of how things are being put back together and how they will be restored. We always focus. Sometimes it seems like we get stuck on the cross a little bit too much instead of focusing on the resurrection and glorification. What are your yeah, thoughts on that? You're right. No, I totally agree. We're, we're so more bent on the death and the, than we are on the resurrection. Which really, it's, it's kind of like we're, in some sense, that leaves you stuck because you're, you're mm-hmm. stuck forgiving, uh, focusing on your forgiveness of sins, but you never live in the life of resurrection and you never look forward to True. glorification. Like, what hope are you running towards? And I think that's part of the, where this question's going. You know what's more shocking about that? That the pretty much every sermon in the book of Acts is more about the resurrection than the crucifixion. Right. And there, there really is a big emphasis on it in, in churches and everything like that, where sometimes it's all about the cross, and there's never the resurrection. And the cross, obviously, the work of the atonement is, you can't, I mean, it's very important. But even Paul says, without it's the resurrection. the biggest event in history. Right. But the resurrection is, it goes hand in hand. You can't split them apart. Right. But yeah, you're right. The, the resurrection is Christ's vindication. And say if I'm reading your mind right, First uh, Corinthians 15, with uh, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Yeah. It's because of the resurrection that we actually have new life, and that we can live and look forward to glorification. See, I have the gift of prophecy now. You do. There you go. Yeah. And you qualify for our new apostle certificate. <laughs> that is awesome. Dude, I give out. Come on. <laughs> the last part of that question is what will it look like to reign with Christ I see it as we're all going to have functions and jobs and roles and we'll be in perfect fellowship it'll look like Eden but probably better I'm not sure I think I think a lot of that speculation but there seems to be indications that we'll all be working and feasting and just living together hey man as long as I can cook some mean steaks I'm down <laughs> I made a rib. In heaven? There better be. Probably not. If if some people are right about them being all vegetarians in heaven. Oh, jeez. I. You know what? I made ribs tonight for dinner, and man, it was delicious. If I can't have that in heaven, I'm gonna be a sad panda. No, you won't. It'll be heaven. <laughs> That's true. God, I don't even care about ribs. Well, just, then. God. God will it's wipe. All speculation. God will wipe that rib 
you know that that tear from your eye <laughs> the rib tear from my eye that rib tear that that tear shaped like a rib will be wiped away from your face oh, oh man they're good yeah. so try rub on them for uh, 8 hours today oh oh man 8 hours that's a lot yeah and that's I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have them for lunch tomorrow too so I'll text you guys as I eat them okay cool uh, can I throw uh, a grenade in here? Sure. Blow it up. Pio Credo. Where do you stand? And are you 100% persuaded? Of course, baptism. I'm that dash. <laughs> I, I don't know how you can be a dash on this subject, honestly. Because, I, you know what? Look, I'm going to say my piece and you guys can hound me for it. There's very little scripture to back up. Uh, pedo baptism. I totally agree to that. Good, the only, the only, there's well, there's scripture that says that there's in their no. whole house, there's their whole household was baptized, and yeah. you can't tell I mean, me that if if you want to go ahead and make the assumption that there were no infants, then that's my that's your, your that's your presumptions on that. But if they, you want to say that beyond that, then sure. But I want to stand more on the credo because I think baptism requires a declaration. But at the same time, I think people put too much emphasis on baptize baptism being, a you know, something to earn you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where we really lose this focus is that people put so much in that you must be baptized. And I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. My issue with it is, what does Peter baptism accomplish? That that's my issue with it. Because if you tell me that there's somehow the, uh, a new covenant member isn't really in the new covenant and doesn't participate in the blessings of the new covenant, then what is he? Well, you're gonna have that in credo as well. What is? Well, I mean, yeah. It, if, somebody, credo, if somebody, at least you're making a profession. Yeah, but still, you you can falsely make that assumption, make that confession. True, but it doesn't mean that the baptism put you somehow into the new covenant. Which well, is what see, that's, that's where you. that's where the debate comes: is that people who support pedo think that now that their child is baptized, that they're automatically in the new covenant, and it's not true, because baptism doesn't bring you into the new covenant at all. Right, I 100% agree, but they do believe that, and that's I the problem. I, I'm, yeah, that is the issue. I fully agree with you. See, that's where I that's where I draw the line that the current culture and the beliefs and around baptism i cannot adhere to but i don't see if we look at baptism as a means of obedience then i don't see an issue with whatever because here's here's the way i look at it if you have a child and you baptize that child you're now obligated and i would see not even i would see even the parents in that situation being held to a higher standard because now you are solely obligated to raise that child in and teach them the the words of God instead of allowing that child to make their own profession at their own time later on in life. Right. But uh, the thing is, I've, I've heard uh, some Presbyterians that go as far as to claim that the child who has been baptized has to be remembered that he is in Christ or in the New Covenant to the expense of calling them to repentance. So that's a... That, Hurtful. That's tough because that's not true at all. Because exactly. if you're not, because it all comes back to belief, right? What is the profession of the believer? You 
know, I yeah, mean, you, I mean if, if water brings you to believe, then call to repentance. Yeah. Because you don't see you don't see Peter walk in and say, "Be baptized, everybody, right. be baptized." Let's just get the whole world wet, and they're yeah. they're going to be in the new covenant somehow. Does that mean everybody that was wiped away in the flood was baptized? Ooh, I went there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible dad joke, guys. Come on, give me some slack. <laughs> I totally get it Nick? because Nick fell asleep. I ha- I have a lot I could say. He's out. <laughs> I I have a lot I could say, but but the one thing that I want to make sure that I really really stress is that whenever those households were baptized, the dog was included. <laughs> do you do you have proof on that? Uh, is there manuscriptal proof on that? Um, no, but I'm interjecting into the text just like pedo baptism. <laughs> As long as the cats weren't baptized in those houses, we're totally fine with it. If, because if, we know cats aren't going to heaven. If you so. if if you if you baptize your babies and you have an unbelieving spouse, you better baptize your unbelieving spouse, otherwise you're being inconsistent. No, I that's, totally agree. that's another issue. Yeah. And here's the other thing. If you baptize your baby, shouldn't they shouldn't they be able to take the Lord's Supper? Yep. That's another issue also. Yeah. Well, and then it's a complete uh, I'm Go on, please. It's just a big misrepresentation of what circumcision is in the New Testament. There is a circumcision already in the New Testament. It's a circumcision of the heart. It's regeneration. Baptism is a reflection of regeneration. You can't you can't turn baptism into the circumcision itself. You know, I, I've been talking to to this really nice. Uh, I I really hope that he's a brother. I, I believe so. I'm not gonna say his name or anything, but he believes in uh, regener- uh, baptismal rege- regeneration. He uses all all sorts of texts like uh, Acts two thirty eight, First Peter three twenty one, um, John three three, so on and so forth. I mean, if, if baptism regenerates, then yeah, why not baptize the unbelieving spouse? Why not have baby eat of the Lord's supper? Why not baptize pretty much everyone? And he went as far as to say that Roman Catholic baptism is valid. So am I now to call a Roman Catholic brother? Yeah, no. I mean, See, if you're if you're up to to baptize for dedication, or as Alex said, like to uh, make a public declaration that I will raise this child in the Lord's way, yeah, I'm all for that. But that that doesn't mean that the baby is somehow saved from his sins or grafted into Christ by some water. God's face cannot be manipulated by some man with a baptistry. Yeah. And I think that's where we start to really cross that line into to false teaching and heresies when we start to manipulate the purpose behind baptism, and and that's why that's why I have this line is because I don't I see that there there can be stands on both sides, but there's not, but 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 because we have removed or distorted the meaning of baptism in today's culture, it really creates this: you are either this or that. And I think there's a lot of that. You know, I've just preached on division last last Sunday, and I made the stance that baptism causes separate division in the church. We we're divided on everything today, and there's no unison in some of these things. And I think we, you know because culture in so many aspects, whether it's politics or race, gender, sports teams designer clo- companies, whatever it is that, you know, there is division everywhere. 
And the one thing that we don't see it is in the gospel, especially in the way it's preached. That, that's my soapbox. All right. All right, moving on. So new rule, let's not discuss baptism. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm okay with that. I, I, it's a topic that's just been, I, that I, horse has been. I warned that it was a grenade. Yeah. This guy. It's a, it's a, one that just gets beaten into the ground every time. Yeah, but uh, my 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 issue with question was basically on um, the baptismal regeneration bit, which I'm 100 percent sure that we are um, agreed on that that it, it's false. Right, baptism does, doesn't regenerate anyone. If baptism did regenerate, I would baptize everyone I could find. Be yeah. going around, yeah, throwing but, them on totally. their face. I, I would force take, them. I would take no, on just have a bottle of water and sprinkle people. No, I would take on the Stephen Furtick model of baptism and just get a super, <laughs> super soaker, soaker. <laughs> and just go down the street and pop, pop, pop. You get baptized. You get baptized. <laughs> it's Oprah handing out baptisms all day long. Well, I mean, we Wouldn't heard that be nice though if it were true. Yeah, that ties yeah. back kind of into just go around regenerating people. That kind of ties back into the Todd White uh, quote from the beginning of this episode. I can actually claim someone who doesn't believe, and there's nothing they can do to get out of it. Mm-hmm. That's with my water gun. I can do the same thing. With my water gun. Anyhow, uh, I need some Nerf gun. <laughs> so I have a really good question. It's very interesting. Um, I actually went to a when I was at the Doc and Devo conference. They talked on this a couple times, and I read a book on it actually because of that conference. So, can you guys talk about the types and shadows of the Old Testament, and what are some examples? How much oh, time man. do you got? Um, <laughs> there's a lot. Let's do this in about two minutes. <laughs> my my favorite one's obviously the Passover lamb. Yeah. Uh, um, Melchizedek is one Hebrew. You want to learn about types and shadows? Go read the book of Hebrews. I mean, really, yeah, yep. Hebrews is great. Um, I actually have somewhere in my collection, I don't even know where it went now. It really upsets me, gentlemen. What was it? It was a book that I got from the Doc and Devo conference. It's not very um, long. Types of shadows? No, it is. It was a book on theology, but he talks heavily on um, typology in it. Oh, I love this subject. I, I would highly recommend a book. It's called God in Our Midst by Daniel, Daniel Hyde, published by Reformation Trust. It's all about the, the typologies. It's great. I one is uh, the high priest and how it's fulfilled in Christ. Here it is. Do they um do they include the the way that Christ is seen in the festivals and all that in those two? I'm pretty sure they do. I haven't read it. I have it. I have to read it yet. But they touch on a lot of things. The, like a, the tabernacle, the the typology there is beautiful. That's what I was going to ask covenant, about. Um, the most holy place. So yeah. the even Eden is a typology. Yeah. So the author is James Hamilton Jr. and the book is What is Biblical Theology? A guide to the that Bible. Is a great book. Yes. Uh, I got to listen to him speak on typology for like two hours. 
and oh, cool. how, he, long, how long is that book it's like 180 pages it's really short oh there's, no, it's, there's it's 100 really pages 100 pages there's a big published by crossway i think it's the same title yeah and the same author yeah i think i think this is just a precursor to that he said it was like a summed summed up version but yeah he he just takes you very quickly through typology and i'll tell you what it's it's quickly become one of my favorite topics to study. Um, I absolutely love just looking into the Old Testament and just seeing how things have crossed over this massive meta narrative of the Bible, and then you can see, you know, the workings of God's um, salvational plan from Genesis three fifteen all the way through to the end of Revelation, and it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful. I just saying it's just another good one. The... <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Ah, I'm done. It's all you. No, come on, man. I'm gonna feel yeah. guilty now. Ah, that's cool. I was just gonna say it's just a beautiful subject to study because it, it opens the doors to how you know instead of making things so segregated in the Bible, it connects all of these points and it shows that these these stories all have a purpose and all have a reason and. And then it goes on to tell us that we are not David. So stop making yourself be David. That's something. Go ahead. I'm not. No, not today. I'm pretty sure this renovation. Goliath are not my issues. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> Goliath pretty... is not your issues. I'm pretty sure this um... renovation is my Goliath. <laughs> I have to conquer it. Just throw a stone at it. You'll be all right. That'll fix it, right? <laughs> that that'll build my house. Throw a stone at it. <laughs> Ah, what next? Uh, all right. Um, what is the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ? Depends, Depends on your eschatology. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next. Next. Thoughts on generational curses is the nonsense post-Christ atonement. Is this nonsense post Christ atonement? Thoughts oh, on generational curses. That, that's big on the charismatic movement. They are huge in it. Yeah, like, they I, love it. I heard that. I probably heard that in my old church. I don't know, maybe fifty times. Yeah. Like break the generational curses and all that stuff. Um, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a big topic. It plays a lot into intertextual. Um, like biblical theology, like we were just talking about, like uh, how the the whole doctrine is built upon um, threads. I don't think they play. If if anyone is in Christ, he has no condemnation. So there are no such thing as generational curses on that sense. But I don't know. What if your family is big on cancer? You could probably have cancer. So that yeah. that that could be considered a generational curse in some sense, but it's not curse in the sense of uh, that person receiving the wrath of God as his parent did or or uh, grandparents or whatever. And um, in Scottish lore, the Campbells have a curse that the men die at age seventy-eight without fail. Oh no, really? So I guess we'll see. I'll let y'all know. You, you got a, you got a few weeks for that, don't you? I think it was seventy-eight. It might have been a little bit, a little bit younger than that. Oh, you know what? It was actually age sixty-four. Yeah, you still have fifty-one years to go. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, you no, know, everyone knows your age, Nick. No one knows my age. Nick, Nick is eighteen. 
I have no idea how old. You know, I was actually, <laughs> today I was thinking, like, I can't remember what it was, but the thought process, I was like, man, I, I don't remember how old I, I actually had to use a calculator because I, I couldn't remember. Because <laughs> I'm a, did y'all know that I'm a mathematician? That's why you don't want me building your house because I have to do math on a calculator to figure out how old I am. <laughs> we'll, we'll forgive you this one. I'm horrible at math. Yeah, so am I. <sighs> okay. Um, who are the theologians you enjoy reading who don't share your view on the gifts? Uh, John Piper, probably mine. I like Grudem. There was another one. You know, everyone. Another one. I think Martin Lloyd Jones had something for the gifts in his later years. He's so brilliant. Yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, Wayne Wayne Grudem's good. True. Every, everyone everyone rags on Wayne, Wayne Grudem. I think he's good. Wayne, Wayne Grudem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I do think I do think he has done quite a bit of damage with his uh, prophecy take on Agabus and his uh, false prophecy and that giving sort of. Um, I don't know, like, like free willy for everyone in the Catholic movement to give false prophecy and not feel bad about it. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not familiar. So maybe I'd, I'd like to look into that. I didn't know. Well, his that. his doctoral dissertation was about um, Agabus giving false prophecy, but it wasn't entirely true in the details, and that 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 just gives free roam for everyone in the charismatic movement who are fond of him to do exactly that. Oh. Be a false prophet and not feel bad about it. Well, that well that just put a little a uh, little bit of sour into what I just said. So never mind. Oh, <laughs> sorry, man. He he did a great job in a systematic. I don't yeah, know. I, know. I, I don't remember what he mentioned, but I can't think of anything on top of my head. I was actually reading that question before I got to the last line on the gifts, and I was thinking of other theologians that differ from just our viewpoints in general. So. That's another good question, though. What do you guys do? You guys read anybody else that just differs in your theology? Uh, Herman Babnick, he believes in pedo baptism. <laughs> wow, Luther. Yeah, Luther. John I, Owen. I mean, name name a church father too. I mean, yeah, they they all had different beliefs. What do you guys think of like Tozer? Because Tozer seems to be pretty popular again. Even in some of the reform yeah. circles. Yeah, I, I like Tozer. I don't know if he was a cessationist or not. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. He I, was good though. I find I find that a weird question because I, I kind of read from a variety of tra- traditions. I, I have a number of books that most people would never touch. But I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't have. See, whenever people ask me like, "Who's your favorite favorite like author or something like that?" When it comes to that, I really don't remember authors as much as I just do the content from the books. I don't know if anyone can resonate with that. But whenever I read a book, I'm like, I don't think too much about the author unless I'm like trying to gather what they believe specifically. So I have a bunch of books that I've read, and I can tell you like what they were about, but I don't associate them with the author. I'm like, okay, it was a good book. I'm not gonna, and I don't really think beyond it. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel that I do the same with most of my books. The The books that I can't immediately recognize the author are those by R.C. Sproul. He's just, I don't know, consistent in his books and, and the way that, that he writes. Yeah. And people ask me the same thing about, like, favorite pastors and stuff like that, and I'm just like, I don't really have any. Mine, probably. <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, 
So uh, nah, we talked about this before. Um, does anyone want to choose one? You throw one out if you got one. Uh, we did transubstantiation. Oh, this one's pretty short. Yeah. Well, like, is that just asking what it is? I think so. Yeah, probably. Or do it. Um, it. Let me see. Actually, real quick. Paul probably has that one under wraps. I have, I have it on my screen. It's the conversion of the substance of the Eucharist elements into the body and blood mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah. Roman Catholic. Yep. So it is the physical the transformation. Catholics take that absolutely, like, literal. Yeah, they are literally said, eating the blood and body. Is, yeah. This is my body. And, and it's funny because they use um, Aristotelian logic to sit around because they, they say it's a double miracle in the sense that the the wafer and the wine stay as in the the accent the accent is the the outward appearance of the inner essence they say the accent stays the same it's still wine and wafers yeah but somehow the essence of it changes into the literal body of christ and the literal blood of christ so you have a miracle in that it doesn't change and at the same time it does change and it's basically cannibalism the whole thing of the mass is just pure blasphemy if you if you read the 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 consecration of the priest the words that he has to say in the ceremony of transubstantiation it's just disgusting the 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 priest has the power to pull christ out of his throne and christ has to obey the priest uh then the wafer gets placed in the the this thing called the host box i I forgot the name I, i think they call it tabernacle um, and people have to bow before it because it's the literal uh, flesh of Christ. It's a mess. It's a mess, and it's it's cannibalism. The the Old Testament forbids that. It's it's as as if I were telling you uh, a picture of mine and telling you this is me. Well, that's not really me. That's a picture of me. Yeah. But Catholics turn that around and take it as totally literal. Yeah, and it was basically Tom Thomas Aquinas is the one who developed all that in the. Uh, during the medieval church, which, like you said, was influenced by Aristotle, whenever with the rise of scholasticism, and it was just that that it literally changes in substance, but all the sensory traits, right, taste, smell, or feelings, didn't change, and that it's a bloodless sacrifice. Which the notion that you have to have a re-sacrifice anyway is obviously just that's just nonsense. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's really not a way around it, and then of course. I'll be talking about that next week, actually, whenever I get into ecclesiology. Cool. Not not much deeper than what Paul just said. Paul just nailed it down. Nah, it's Paul, a long time. Paul's, Paul's borderline genius now, too, guys. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, so I think we're going to hit one more topic before we wrap up on tonight's episode and uh i think we wanted to discuss some bethel is that right nick yes what's going on over there i hear someone rumbling yeah i hear a lot of banging is yeah a lot of people making noise but someone angry is it me is it me i think it's probably me probably i'll blame myself (laughs) so the the... That's funny, Paul. I just read that. <laughs> um, so, so the question is, where do we want to start with it? Because it can. It seems like it became kind of a rabbit hole really quickly. 
I mean, I've, it was a headache for me for our episode uh, banter hour three because the that whole change movement thingy changed, and uh, how Bethel understood it and uh, used it sort of confused me because uh, we were talking the day the episode was published, and I had no idea uh, whether that that site changed uh, movement. I I just read a bit of it and it it just looked not sound, but then I read a bit more and. I kind of started doubting, so took the episode down, put up a new intro. Then I took that one down because apparently Bethel published an IGTV video today on with these people, the founders of the change movement, and a lot of people told me that they were advocating homosexuality. So I took that the updated episode down, then I put it up again. It's been a headache, so I'm, I don't know how to approach it anymore. Did you by chance watch the IGTV video? Nope, had to work today, then church, then uh, spent some time with my cousin, and now I'm here. <laughs> so honestly, I, I watched it. I, I didn't hear anything wrong with it. They didn't use language that I would have preferred. But they were basically saying that we can't force people to change. They change by following Jesus. And so we just give them an environment where they can follow Jesus, and then they change naturally, and then we put up with their testimonies of it. Um, mm. Which... That's not the way I would approach it, but... Well, it's basically, it's basically like saying you can't do your own sanctification. They're saying, like, you cannot force someone to buy regulation and rules to get out of their sin. You have to have that heart change, that following natural change. And that's kind of... They, they see it... It's kind of like... I saw it as kind of like an alcoholic anomalous for homosexuality. But the, the, whole, the whole idea centered around... Uh, my, my, my issue with the whole situation was that there was a lot of people jumping on it because of the way Bethel phrased it, which they phrased it very, very poorly. In fact, on their Facebook page, yeah, yeah, it it was bad. The way that they said it was just horrible. And even their supporters were like, you guys need to clarify because y'all said this in a very poor way. Um, Steven uh, Bancaras, if y'all know him. uh, Yeah, I've heard of him. He replied on Facebook, you know, he said, this is weak and unbiblical. And then he says later on that, he checked out the program. The program itself isn't as bad as the statement made in this post. So it was basically right. the way that they portrayed it that made it bad. But the organization itself, whenever you read what they're about and what they do, it doesn't. it's not that bad. And on that IGT video, uh, a lot of, quote, gay Christians are just, like, blasting Bethel. And that was the thing that got me. If they're supporting it uh, and we yeah, see them sure. as supporting it, then why are people blasting them for it? Because it would be the other way around, you know. We're, we're blasting them for supporting Christ, uh, homosexuality, supposedly, but these these gay Christians are hearing something completely opposite than what we're saying. They're saying, I don't know if that right. made sense. Yeah, it does. But like so the that's why that's it was such a headache for me in the episode. I don't even know what to do anymore. I've I've, I've been thinking about pulling it down, but um, I'm not alone on this, so I, I can't take the shots. Like. I, my 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 view is, and I kind of was trying to correlate to this to you earlier on it, Paul. But here's here's the the, the kind of the bubble that we're in. When we recorded the episode, Bethel had this statement released, and Change.org had certain text in regards that Bethel was referring to. We made our podcast episode based on those particular statements that were at in our hands at the time. And then you fast forward two days and now things are changing 
and videos have been released and some clarifications and you know have been published we still stand by the message on the podcast and i hope you do too paul i do for sure and i think what it comes down to is is you know nick and i think you started to allude to it as soon as that hit the internet it blew up i mean everybody was running with it everybody was releasing videos everybody was doing posts everybody was blasting it um and something that I think we've done okay on and, and well on, especially in this roundtable or on, on Dying Light, is we usually wait for the dust to kind of settle before we tackle a very controversial subject. And maybe we went a little bit too hard, you know, too quick on it, and then things change. That's possible. But I think regardless of all of that, we are still in a position now that Bethel is moving in this direction and further away from scripture, even if they're clarifying it as a safe space to work out your own, you know, or to allow this the sanctification process to happen on its own. That's not what scripture declares. And Sounds I was watching like Calvinism. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. Cause what, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. You know, it's a bit of a determinism. John MacArthur released a video, a question and answer video the other night, last night, and it was on this subject. What do you do if a church member comes to you and says, my uh, child, my you know adult child just came out to me uh, as being gay? And John was very strict and stern on it. He says, you know what? If they are a professing Christian, then they need to be rebuked because they are going against the grains of Christianity. And he, you know, talked about scripture, he laid out his support for it, and he said, you know, this is the way it should be. If these people are professing Christians, it's not possible to be gay. It just doesn't go together. So, oh, good. No, I was just going to say, that's just from everything I've seen, I'd love to hear your guys' discussions, because, I mean, it's, this is, obviously, this is such a tough topic to talk about right now. Well, I'd use Jen Johnson's own words with the plain thing and how, how off course you can be. If you if, if Bethel is Bethel preaches a false gospel, they have a false Jesus, and we have established that, and Nick has touched heavily, heavily on that. Uh, the, the false signs and wonders thing that they have going on, it's utterly horrendous. And I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of time until they go full-fledged on this, like the um, ECLA or stuff like that, ELCA, sorry. Yep. And, and and they're just so off course that it's, it just wouldn't be surprising for them to go to these places. So my, my perspective, and I think this is where we're going to have disagreements in how we perceive the situation. And I, I would like people who are listening to what I'm about to say to keep in mind what Paul just said is that I've tried to be very uh, blunt about my positions in Bethel. And so it's kind of weird for me to be defending them in the situation. Whenever I looked into the organization and what was being said, there, I didn't see any advocate, advocate. Uh, I don't know how to say that. I didn't see any support for the idea that you um, can live as a gay Christian, but rather that whenever you follow Jesus, you will be changed. But they were namely against manipulation or psychotherapy or things like that. And so some of the things that I wanted to point out was um, the organization um, is run by the same people who also run an organization called Equipped to Love, which is has the same concept, except Changed is all about the testimonies of people who have left homosexuality. 
and Equip to Love has a whole program called Leaving Homosexuality. And uh, the one of the founders talks about how the very same reinterpretation of Scripture uh, is happening with human sexuality. People are trying to change the interpretation of Scripture just like they did to support slavery. People are trying to support homosexuality with Scripture. So there's obviously a recognition that it's sin. They just haven't blatantly called it out like that, which is where I'm having uh, that idea that I don't see them as conforming to that. I see them as saying, uh, your whole life, the wholeness of life in terms of creation is in heterosexual relationships, but the only way to get there is by following Jesus, that you can't get there by just pure pragmatism because it's a matter of the heart kind of thing. And even Chris Valton, who is the associate pastor of Bethel, said this. He says, this is amazing about the IGTV video, which everyone should go listen to it to get kind of the whole uh, context of it. He said, um, you guys are giving hope to everyone that wants out of the gay lifestyle or is having unwanted sexual attraction. Of course, people have um, the people that have embraced the gay lifestyle lifestyle in the name of, quote, I can't change, end quote, need to discredit you to make themselves feel validated. So even him, he, the associate pastor of Bethel is saying, you know, uh, people can change from homosexuality. And so that's that's significant as well as Bill Johnson before saying that's a violation of uh, God's creation. But reading through the comments on the IGTV video, you see comment after comment where uh, gay Christians are recognizing that they're saying that you will change, uh, just to quote one out of many. Uh, there's such a foundational flaw in what you're saying, quote, we're not telling people that they need to change. We're letting people know that when you come to Jesus, there will be a dramatic impact. And this person says, right there, you are suggesting that when you are right relationship with Jesus, that you will experience change. So it's just, it kind of goes with that idea that there is an organic sanctification that happens. And I think most people would agree with that. But I think with homosexuality, we treat it very differently than other sins. Uh, we don't we don't have meetings set up for people the same way as homosexuality. And there's been a lot of ways that people have tried to deal with it. But I don't think that I think with the way Bethel phrased it, it seemed like they could be supporting that idea, but with the organizations they're backing, I don't see that being the situation at all. Yeah, I, this is I, this is the very same problem why I had a headache about leaving the episode uh, uploaded or taking it down. So uh, us, and I'm sure Alex us to, to uh, represent people that we uh, talk about fairly and, and truthfully, I'm not sure we did that in the episode, but we just went went on with with what came up in the news, and we might have pulled the trigger a bit too soon. I'm not sure, but um, all everything that we said about uh, homosexuality stands. Yeah, I'm not seeing any of that. Absolutely. Back. Yeah. But the the thing about Bethel and this changed movement thing, um, I'm I'm not so sure about um, how we jumped the the trigger on that. So if anyone who's listening to this, who listened to Banter Hour Three. Please have this in mind. I would yeah. say I would say this too. At the at the end of the day, Bethel is dangerous, and so it doesn't really matter um, if they go one way or another. But it does matter whether or not we are representing people accurately and we're you know being proponents of truth. And I'm not saying that those organizations are exactly what I have perceived so far. They could, I could be wrong. I'm saying that I think we should all just be better about not jumping the gun. And I don't think y'all did at all in your episode. I thought y'all just covered. It in a very general way. I don't think you specifically hammered on them in general. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. And and I, with both of your perspectives and views, I totally agree because 
you know, in the past, we, like I said, we've allowed things to kind of settle and then we talk about some topics, you know, and it might be a month even after. And I think or even the first round table that we did, we were talking about topics that were months old because we didn't want to allow for information to change. And in this particular situation, some things have come to light and come to the surface and, you know, whether or not, um, Bethel holds to this position or changes down the road to actually call sin what it is and call homosexuality to be a sin. Um, we still hold to that, that it is. And, yeah. you know, it seems that these big churches and these big organizations have the tendency to kind of change with society. And so it, it puts us into a position where, you know, do we want to really make an affirmative stance against, or, you know, this church. And obviously Nick, you've done extensive research and, you know, Bethel is a very dangerous organization in terms of a lot of doctrine that they teach. And, and I think this is one of those things that while is extremely important, almost becomes second discussion level because of the other issues that they, the church is plagued with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Because at the, at the end of the day, whether or not they um, defend or not defend homosexuality, they still have pagan New Age practices, and that's just what it boils down to. Yep. Yep. But. And again, you know, when it comes to to the homosexuality issue, it's a very delicate conversation. And, you know, my wife and I have discussions about it all the time because there's a you know, when I become a pastor, the question is going to come up. What are you going to do when somebody comes into your, you know, church and, and they tell you that you're gay, they're gay. And you've got to work through that in a loving and caring notion. And the, the, the premise to it is, is that we are all sinners and we need to not just from a pastoral mindset, treat and target just homosexuality, but also needs to be treated and targeted. I can't preach at the pulpit and just go after, you know, one particular sin. I have to preach all of it because we are all guilty of a plethora of sins. I mean, that's just what it boils down to at the end of the day. Yeah. Anything else on that we want to add? I think we kind of beat the horse. Yeah. Basically be, be a Berean with the internet too, because people are going to use things, anything they can grab. It's like, man, it's like the, the monster energy drink with the six, six, six thing. People are going to oh grab gosh, whatever yeah. they can to defend their view. And, mm-hmm. and if we're going to be followers of Christ, that means walking in truth, being thorough in our thinking, thinking through issues, just think through th- things. I, I would, everyone on the internet, just challenge everything, man. You can't trust anything on the internet. Everything. Everything. You just reminded me of someone, someone who uh, both of us three know um, on Instagram. He has a big following. Um, he was going to post, he was going to do a live video on John MacArthur and the Mark of the Beast thing. That's, I don't know how, how many years old that is. It's very old. Uh, Grace to you has addressed it. Um, Pyromaniacs has addressed it. Pretty much everyone that there is. And he was going to go after and call John MacArthur out for it and all his followers to, to be aware of him because he supposedly tells people that they should take the mark of the beast and that's not going to uh, lead you into hell. And I just told him, man, are you really going to do that? That's, that has been addressed. And that it, it, if you're going to call John MacArthur out, 
out for that. But simply means that you haven't done your homework. Yeah. And that's the thing with me. If I want people to to take me seriously whenever I say Bethel is dangerous, I want them to understand that I, I try to be objective with everything I look at. And with, you know what's funny? You, you talk about that. There was another guy who was also posting up uh, about um, uh, John Piper being a wolf, right? And he, he takes a snapshot of his profile. And and someone on there was like, he follows all, all the other wolves. And so I looked up, I looked up John Piper, and they had... They had taken a snapshot of a different account that was impersonating his account. And, of course, that account's following, you know, Joel Osteen and Bethel and Hillsong. It's like, just look it up. It's not his account. Like, goodness, man. Yeah, Don Piper doesn't even have social media. <laughs> I, I know. And there's, there's, two, there's two accounts. One has, like, 23, almost million, I think. And the other one is just, like, a what? knockoff. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, you look him up, look up John Piper, and there's there's two prominent ones, but they took the snapshot of the one that had less followers and that one that was following all the wolves. And someone in the comments is like, oh, he is a wolf. He's following all these wolves. It's like, no, just go look up his account. It's not okay. And I don't know. Just just test everything. That's what it boils down to. You can't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, I'm I forget it now. The, the John Piper account. It has 2,291 followers, 20 following. Check out who he's following. Lakewood Church, Jesus Culture, Kirk Franklin, Rod Parsley, Rick Warren, yep. Jensen and Franklin, Bethel Church, <laughs> Copeland Network, yeah. uh, Copeland Network Canada, uh, John Hagee, Hillsong, Joseph Prince, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, Benny. <laughs> Come on, man. Did you, did you see the other one, though? The other one I was talking about? The other about? one's got, like, 20,000. Yeah. And so it's Desert. like... You're just picking and choosing which one. And, of course, that one looks better because of who he's following. Come on, man. I mean, I read an article that says that dogs were baptized in household baptisms. I'm not going to believe it. You know, it just it projects into the text. <laughs> uh, it's it's sad. You know, the, the discernment level this on the Internet these days is just blows my mind. And, and you know, it brings up this conversation somebody brought up. I put a po- video up this morning, um, the Todd White and, and Paul Washer video. It's been floating around for a while, and so I posted it. And then somebody says, oh, so you're now the uh, – your purpose of the church is to bring division. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, I guess your purpose is to not have discernment. Thanks. <laughs> it's like you can't you know, listen to what some of these people say for five minutes and not be able to tell me that it's right or wrong. Yeah. Nobody thinks for themselves anymore. They, uh, it's a frustration I have. I can't remember the text, but there is a biblical text that implies that discernment is an aspect of sanctification. And so if you're not growing in discernment, then there's a problem. Mm -hmm. I think it's in Romans, but I'm not entirely sure. Sad. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, anything else to add to this rant-a-thon on round table six? I don't think so. Well, I think I'll turn it over to you, Nick, and wrap us up. So thank you for listening to round table six, and that will conclude, and we will see you again some other time.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.